Let's get into God's Word this morning again. I want to start by once again reading our text here. I want to start there in James 4.4, read down to verse 10, and kind of once again recap this, and then get into what we're going to look at this morning, which is halfway through verse 8, where he talks about cleansing our hands and so forth, and how we practically do that in this process of humbling our hearts before the Lord. So notice there again, James 4.4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But He gives more grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Now, one of the key things we've been looking at in this text is where James says, whoever wants to make himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And we really emphasize here He's not talking about befriending non-believers, but he's talking about being fond of the ways of the world, the philosophies of the world, the sins of the world, and so forth. And that's usually being done out of a desire to want to be approved of by the world, to want to be embraced by the world. It's usually done out of a heart that does not want to be alienated or be called a peculiar individual. Also, again, it goes along with the desire just to participate in those things because the appeal to our flesh. But we see here when we come to that place of wanting that versus wanting to resist that. And again, part of the Christian life is that war with the flesh. And we talked about, listen, we are either making ourselves enemies with God at war with God or we're at war with the flesh as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see here, though, when we want to be friends of the world, that it's a form of spiritual adultery. He says adulterers and adulteress because it's really in a place of wanting to walk outside of that covenant that we entered in by grace through faith when we put our trust in Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our life. And all of it is a place of pride. It's a place of saying, my ways are better than your ways, God. It's a picture of saying, I want to bend knee to my fleshly desires versus bending knee to what the Lord would have for me. It's that place of saying, I want to give in to these things versus being in a place of wanting to resist these things and battle those things and so forth. And listen, as believers, there's going to be temptations that are going to wage war against us and so forth. And so he's not talking about here about that struggle, but it is that yielding to out of a really a heart of rebellion to say, I want to be about the business of these things or mix these things into my Christianity. And the Lord in his graciousness and goodness to us because he jealously longs for us, opposes us when we're in those places. He chastises us. He wants us to be in that place where we are walking in an abundance of his grace that he pours out on those that have a humble heart. Those that are saying, Lord, I want to be yielded to you. I need your help in these struggles and these things going on in my life. God, I'm a battle with these things because my flesh is drawn to them. All the more I need you daily, I want to draw near to you daily. 
And again, we've really emphasized the great importance of this passage where it says God's opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble because Jesus tells us in Matthew or in Mark chapter 7 that out of man's heart proceeds a pride. It really happened in the fall when man thought he could go from dust to deity and said, I want to, want to be my own God. And so there's a pride in that that really wants to rear up its ugly head on a continual basis that has to be dealt with on a continual basis. So with that talked about there in those you know, first four verses or so, verses four through six, notice there verse seven, therefore, and it makes the therefore huge because I don't want to live a life that is opposed to God. I don't want to live a life where I'm making myself an enemy of God. I want to walk again in that abundance of grace that the Lord wants to pour out on a humble heart. Listen, again, God created us. God gave us life. God died on the cross for us. God's promises are yes and amen. He is true. The last breath we have, He just gave to us. I don't want to walk in opposition of Him. We're the clay and He's the potter. So this is a huge thing. And that same grace that saves us, again, God wants to even pour a greater abundance of it upon our lives, grace being that divine influence to walk in what He has for us. So therefore, we get this instruction of things to do to bring us into that place of humility before Him. And we saw a few weeks back that it starts with submitting to God. Therefore, submit to God. Submit to God, submit to the Word of God. God honors His Word above His name. And again, we saw that this is a military term, which means get in your proper rank. Understand that He is God, His Word is true, and we have a call to yield to Him, not to resist Him. And if there's a hostility in your heart when God's Word is open, when God's Word is rightly divided, when God's Word is taught in its context, that could be a real indicator that you're not submitted to Him. That you're not yielded to Him. And again, that's something that you need to examine your own heart concerning as all of us need to do. Are we submitted to Him or not? Again, it's easy to look around and start judging our neighbor, but what about us? Are there areas that we don't yield to Him? That we're holding back from Him? We need to ask the Lord to show us. And then we saw this call to resist the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And we saw there that the word resist implies putting up a fight. It means to struggle against, to withstand, to try to prevent with action and argument. It's coming to this place of saying, I'm not just going to, you know what, open my heart and my life to whatever the enemy brings. I want to test things by the scripture, and I want a purpose in my heart to serve the Lord on a daily basis. And then last week we saw the call to draw near to God, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And we started by talking about just the wonderful fact that the Lord wants to be near to us. That He didn't create man to be some eyeball in the sky, a man to be down here in this distant relationship to take place, but He walked with Adam in the garden. And even after man's sin and pushing God away, we saw Enoch walk with the Lord and Noah walk with the Lord as they were Men that had an understanding that a Savior was going to come, and they had their faith in that Savior to come, and they entered into relationship once again through that grace, through faith in the Savior to come. We saw again when we do push Him away in pride, when we do push Him away wanting to be friends of the world, wanting to be accepted by the world, applauded by the world, and so forth, wanting to walk in sin, 
that the Lord still knocks on the door of our heart. Saying, I'm knocking, open it up and let's dine together. We know that he knocks in part by chastising us. As again, the spirit yearns jealously for us, so the Lord will oppose us in our pride, chastising us. That's part of the Lord knocking. Sometimes we think the knocking is just a, that, that quiet spirit, you know, the spirit of God, but that knocking can also be chastisement. The Lord said, I want to get your attention because what I have for you is so much better than this temporary pleasure and rebellion and you know, even desire of acceptance than the world that the world has to offer. And beautifully, when we humble our hearts and come to Him in truth and sincerity, He immediately draws near to us. Whether it's a place of saying, Lord, I yield this to you, or even coming to that place of saying, Lord, I know I need to yield to this, to you, I need to lay this down, I need your help in doing that, Lord, come and help me. Now today we're going to close out this section by looking at this call to cleanse our hands. To cleanse our hands of things that grieve grieves God's heart. To purify our hearts of double mindedness, this double thinking of God's word and the world and trying to mix these things together. We're going to see this call to mourn over sin that grieves God's heart and damns unrepented souls to hell. It's really a call to wake up from being just pleasure seekers to be a people that have consideration of weighty and eternal matters. Knowing that, listen, people's souls hang in the balance all around us. So yes, we're to rejoice in all things, but he says here, you know what, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom, understanding so many around us don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and they need us standing in truth, loving them and presenting truth to them, being willing to be separate and set apart versus just wanting to go along to be approved of and so forth because we find more of a temporary pleasure in that and then we'll see this closed out again with this great call and encouragement humble yourself on the side of the lord and he will lift you up now notice again verse 8 the second half of it there cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded now again in the context of this he's talking to the church because it says here again in verse 5, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, and the spirit does not dwell in non-believers. We talked about this last week. God is not everywhere and in everything. A lie that's being peddled in a lot of areas of the church today. When we got saved, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. When we came to faith in Jesus Christ, when our we received that atonement of our sin. That's when relationship was restored with God again. He's talking to the church here. The Spirit of God dwells in those that are believers. And again, when we put our faith in Him, by His grace through faith, we were washed of our sins and brought into a place of being positionally right before the Lord. He sees us as washed. He sees us as forgiven positionally. Yet practically, there's times when we sin, is there not? There's times that we fall short. There's even times when we choose to take up sin versus choosing to take up our cross daily to follow. Have any of us ever been there before? 
I, I have. Am I the only one here? We choose to pick up that sin. And yet the Lord again has called us into salvation and then to walk in that salvation. To walk in what he has for us. Notice what the Lord said in Luke 9, 23. He said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And notice we're talking about our hands here. He's talking to the church, cleanse your hands, you sinners. And the Lord says, Take up your cross. So this has to do, what are we doing with our hands? It's talking about what are we doing with our lives? What are our hands involved in? Where are they at? Are they about the business of the Lord or are they about the business of the flesh? This is a daily decision that we have to make. He says in verse 24, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. There are consequences to what we do with our lives. What a horrible thing to come to genuine faith in Jesus Christ to be positionally saved and yet to go back to live for the approval of the world and the things of the world. What a wasted life. But there's a pill in that because taking up your cross at times is a difficult thing. What do they do on crosses? You get crucified, right? And when you're taking up a cross and carrying it around, you look different than the norm. You don't fit in. You fulfill that call of being an alien, a sojourner, or a peculiar person. And yet there's incredible reward in that. The Lord said, if we're ashamed of him and his word in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, he'll be ashamed of us. Now, I do run into some Christians that say, well, I don't sin anymore. I don't need to wash my hands because I'm already forgiven. And again, yes, positionally we are, but practically that's unbiblical. Notice 1 John 1.8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Again, he's addressing believers here in the book of James. The Spirit of God dwells in believers. The Spirit of God does not dwell in unbelievers. And so we're told here to humble our hearts by cleansing our hands, purging our hands, or purify our hands of those sinful activities that, again, we willfully walk in, that we're wanting to walk in. I can't emphasize it enough. There's a big difference between a struggle of saying, I don't want this, but it wants me and my flesh wants it, and it's warring against my soul versus saying, I'm just giving into this. I want to roll with this. Big difference between the two. Now, I caution you in that as well because sometimes we can say, I'm struggling with this when we're really wanting it. And that's where we need to deal in truth with the Lord. But if we come to this place of just saying, well, you know what, this is talking about someone else, not talking about me, the Bible says we deceive ourselves. So we're told to humble our hearts, to deal in truths. And again, it starts with cleansing ourselves of a desire to want to be friends with the world. We should want to befriend non believers. 
We should want to be a witness and salt and light, hoping that we would be a fragrant aroma of life that would draw them to Jesus Christ. But listen, to many, our Christianity will be a fragrant aroma of death. And death stinks, and people don't like to be around the smell of death. That's a gift of God to us, actually, to keep things that shouldn't be eaten, not eaten. Think about it. But again, it's purging of that desire to be walking in the ways of the world, the mindset of the world, the doctrines of the world, and wanting to be accepted by the world. Jesus said, the world hated me. It will hate you. But let me tell you, what do you want more? To be loved by God in the sense of him approving of what you're doing or to be approved of by the world? It's something we all wrestle with. Listen, who doesn't want to be liked here? When we really get down to it. And again, this covers such an arena of area, you know, sin, rebellion. We see so much of a warped thinking today about sexuality and sexual sin. Are we wanting to cleanse ourselves of, you know what, walking in sexual immorality or even approving of it? Because Romans 1 talks about those that approve being as guilty as those who practice it. There's a lot of pressure to want to approve of things that God does not of prove of this rebellion against authority that comes up in us rebellion against the word of god rebellion against spiritual authorities that god puts in place there is such a growing rebellion in our culture even against authorities that god has put in place over us listen if your motto is that's not my president whether it was trump or obama or clinton or bush that's sinful It really is. You may not agree with all that they do, and there's probably something wrong if you do agree with all that they do. But we need to pray for these men's salvation. And we need to be yielded as long as we are not being asked to sin. We need to be separate in that. We need to be careful not to fall into those temptations. And again, in what we're walking in, we need to ask ourselves, are we considering the welfare of those around us? Practically, spiritually? Listen, if there are things that oppose to God's word that we approve of and promote, we're going to be responsible for those that we influence to walk in those things as well. When Ezekiel talks about the watchman on the wall, he's not just talking about the wacky, zealous prophet that runs around with, you know what, camel hairs and eat locusts and so forth. He's talking about all of us. And again, just so much drunkenness in our culture, and I don't just mean alcohol, but with materialism and position and power and entertainment and pleasure and you know what we get into areas where we can be unforgiving and full of anger and selfishness and scheming and scamming and swindling and all those sorts of things and it just goes on and on and on and the Lord says cleanse yourself of those things 
Lay those things down. Bring those things before the Lord. Listen, if there's someone you can't forgive, bring it before the Lord and start by realizing and recognizing that God forgave us. All of our sin and a rebellion. I know that sometimes is the greatest bondage is not to forgive someone who has hurt us. And I know some here have been hurt in ways that the Never should have been, but because it's a fallen world, were. And I can't encourage you enough to trust in the Lord and forgive so you're no longer victimized by that and you're even freed from that place of pride. Because, listen, it is a place of pride. Because God forgave us, and if we don't forgive others, in a way we're saying, I'm more important than God. It goes back to that deification of ourselves. So we see this call to cleanse our hands, and yet again, our flesh doesn't want to cleanse our hands. And listen, there's many times because we are delusional that we don't want to wash our hands, and yet, again, the consequences for this aren't minor. Again, he talks about God opposing us. Versus walking in this fullness of abundant life he has for us. Listen to Psalm 24.3. Who may ascend to the hill of our Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has cleansed his hands and a pure heart. He who has not lifted his soul to an idol. And we're talking about that here. Spiritual adultery, idolatry, adultery. Nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. We see encouragement here. To enter into deep fellowship with him versus, again, him being in a place opposed to us. Now listen, this truth is taught throughout the word of God. If you go to Isaiah 1, you see Israel in a place of giving lip service to the Lord. Of coming together and, you know, and having worship and bringing sacrifice and so forth. And the, the Lord tells them, listen, don't bring any more sacrifices to me because it's an abomination. And he tells them the same thing we're being told here. You need to wash your hands of these things that you're practicing. And I think in this, in verse 16 through 20 of Isaiah 1, we get great instruction and insight of how to practically wash our hands. Notice what he says here, verse 16. Wash yourself and make yourself clean. And then he says, put away the evil, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Sometimes we over-spiritualize everything. Well, when there, you know, there's a move of the Holy Spirit and I kind of have an experience and a feeling and get lifted up, then I'll be able to contend with this sin. And we're just told here, put it away. Get it out of your sight. Get it out of your wheelhouse. Get it out of your crawl, so to speak. Distance yourself from it. It's like Paul told Timothy, flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness. Put it away so you would cease in participating in it. And then verse 17, what do we place that with? Learning to do good. Getting God's word before us. I want to learn to do good more so than I know. Can we say amen to that? And where is doing good found? It's found in the scriptures. And then he says, seek justice. And God is the just one. Rebuke the oppressor. And again, there's so much oppressing our culture, we have a stand to say, this is wrong. Defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. It's a call to have a heart for your fellow man. 
And then he says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. And I love this. The Lord says, come, listen, seek what's good. Open up the good word. Let's reason together. It's the Lord saying, let me teach you. Let me show you in the scriptures. And then he says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. And then notice verse 19, if you're willing and obedient. And James says here, if you want to be friends with the world. And Isaiah says, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And it comes down just to the state of someone's heart. Do I want to, again, be friends of the world, live in this rebellion? Or do I want to yield to him to be willing and obedient, saying, Lord, I need your help in this? Where's the state of our heart? Well, notice what he says next. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify, it means to make clean. When it talks about the heart and the mind, in many ways they're connected in the scripture. Cleanse your heart, notice here, you double-minded. Double-mindedness means vacillating. It means to be two-spirited. It means to say, on this hand, I want to be influenced by the Holy Spirit, but on this hand, I'm willing to be influenced by the spirit of this age, by the enemy. I'm making provision for both. I'll take double influence, and then I'll decide what's right and what's wrong. Again, we talk about this church oftentimes, and I think it's because it's so pertinent to the day we're living in that Laodicean church. What was their lukewarmness? Laodicea, man's opinion, it was mixing God's word with man's opinion. What came out of it was lukewarm, and God said, I'm going to vomit it out of my mouth. And he counseled them to be zealous and to repent. Listen, there is a lot of pressure today to be double-minded. There's a lot of pressure on us today to want to walk in the world's definition of love, to want to be approved by the world, accepted by the world, not to be labeled by the world. And I I think it's at an all-time high because we're living in a day where it seems everyone has a voice through social media and other means and so forth, and people are not shy about voicing their opinions, are they? And boy, there is a lot of pressure to want to give in to what the world says is right, though God says it's wrong, because we want to be friends of the world. We want to be applauded. We want to be accepted. We want to be looked at as loving and kind and gracious and generous. And if we're going to stand and say, no, listen, this is what God's word says, there's going to be some hatred coming our way. Jesus guaranteed it. Again, Jesus was hated by the world. Jesus was considered a bad guy by much of the world, even though all he did was preach the gospel and heal and cast out demons and so forth. See, we got to understand, they crucified criminals. And they said, what you're doing is criminal because you're upsetting our way of life. We don't approve of what you're saying. So we're opposed to you. Again, so much pressure to do this. And so many times when we stand for truth, we're going to get cut off. I shared this on Wednesday night, this picture of double-mindedness. And I'm going to share it again. I've shared it before a long time ago because I think it's such an example of it. 
And, and listen, I share this. I don't know anyone's heart in all of this, but I see something that's clearly unbiblical and double-minded that is influencing so much of the church today. Recently, Brian Houston from Hillsong's Church, he was inter- interviewed by Charisma Magazine. And they asked him, if you are gay, are you welcome at Hillsong's Church? Houston's answer with a resounding yes, Gazy explains, are welcome to attend. And I would agree. You're, listen, you're welcome to attend. We, if, if, if you're living that lifestyle, come in here and hear the gospel. I would agree with that. They're come to, welcome to attend, to worship. Now, I don't know how you can really worship unless you really repent. And then he says, and participate as a congregational member with the assurance that they are personally included and accepted within the Hillsong community, but cannot take an active leadership role. We got a problem, Houston. We got a problem. Because in saying you can be a member and participate in ministry, now you're approving the lifestyle. Now you're saying, well, you listen, you can't be in leadership, but you can come teach Sunday school, and you can be an usher and a greeter, and you can be on the worship team, which is the case there. He goes on to say, this won't make everyone happy, and to some, this stance may even seem hypocritical. Yeah, it's hypocritical if you honor God's word and have a fear of God. He's absolutely right. It's hypocritical based on the scriptures. He says, we're a gay-welcome church, but we do, we're not a church that affirms a gay lifestyle. Again, it's double-speak. It's double-minded because in saying you can come be a member and participate, you are affirming that. You're affirming this is okay versus saying, listen, this isn't okay. You need to repent. The Lord has a better plan for you. But again, if you're going to do that today, you are going to be a bad guy. You're going to be unloving. You're going to be unkind. You're going to be labeled. You're going to be a troublemaker. You're going to be a hater. But it breaks my heart, even being one that was so sexually perverse before I came to Christ, it would have been a horrible thing if I would have shown up to a church and say, listen, you can full-on practice the fornication that you do You can come and be a congregational member. You can serve in these ministries. You just can't be in leadership. Meanwhile, I'm spreading the leaven of fornication and sexual sin and debauchery and chasing skirt and so forth. I couldn't even deal with that until I acknowledged it as sin and said, Lord, crucify this because I'm a man whore. And I desperately need your help. But it's an affirmation of the lifestyle. Because in 1 Corinthians 5, there was a man sleeping with his father's wife. And the church in Corinth was so proud of themselves. We're so loving. We're so gracious. And Paul said, what you're doing is not even accepted by the world. He talks about being friends with people in the world that practice that, but he says in 1 Corinthians 5, 11, but now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, immoral, covetous, an adulterer, a reviler, a drunkard, or an extortioner, or even to eat with such a person. He says you need to get it out or the leaven is going to spread. It's double-mindedness. And it's a leaven spreading throughout the church today. And listen, 
I hate having to continue to go back to the sin, but it's the issue of the day. It is. A double-mindedness being brought in. And it's being done out of this desire to be friends of the world. To be liked by the world. To be accepted, to be included, and so forth. Versus saying, you're hateful. You're unloving. But we need to go by the Bible's definition of love, not by the world's. So it's mixing the truth with the doctrines of the world, the desire to be friends of the world, and even with our own heart, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And how many times do we take God's word and say, but I feel, and so I'm going to mix it together. And it brings an instability. James 1, 8, he who is double-minded is unstable in all his ways. Why? Because it's not a house being built on the rock. And listen, there are many Institutions look stable, but the day comes when it crumbles. Go read about Babylon there in Revelation. She says, I sit as a queen and I'll never be brought down, and yet in an hour it crumbles. So we're called to purify ourselves of double-mindedness, to get out what's unclean. And now the question should be asked, how do I know what's clean and what's unclean? We've kind of already touched on it, but let's make it clear. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast or cleave to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. The word abstain means to restrain oneself from doing or enjoying something. It means to formally decline. That means I make a statement, I'm declining this. So how do we test it all? How do we judge it? Again, 1 Corinthians 2.15 says, He who is spiritual judges all things. And so I'm going, oh, I thought we weren't supposed to judge. I can't judge your heart. That's an unrighteous judgment. But he who is spiritual, again, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. He's talking about the scripture there. Test all things. It's an unspiritual thing to say, I'm not going to test this. I'm going with my heart. I'm going with man's opinion. I'm going with this person that I found that says they're a Christian that says it's okay. That's not spiritual. That's carnal. That's rebellious. We test it by the prophetic word of God. The Bereans, they tested what Paul brought by the word of God. 2 Corinthians 10.3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity of the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish all obedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So we test it according to the word of Christ, to the word of God. And if it doesn't measure up, we say, I'm not going to walk in this. Even if it costs me my popularity and people being my friend. And it's a sorrowful place when, you know, when people say, I'd, I'm going to label you and I'm, I'm not going to like you anymore. It's going to happen. It's a sad thing when it happens, isn't it? It's happening all the time. And there's pressure to say, well, mom's the word or I need to kind of fudge the book so I'm accepted in it. And we're in an age now where people don't even want to enter into conversation and debate and, you know, talk about things. 
I know just recently my son had a, a friend he grew up with. They went to Christian school together. And recently this person just came out in support of abortion and Planned Parenthood and so forth. Being very bold about it, very, being very public about it on social media. And in my opinion, when you put it out on social media, you're putting it out there for debate, for conversation. Otherwise, close the comments. And he responded with scripture, as well as just practical information of how this is wrong. In five minutes, he was defriended. Kick to the curb. I don't like you anymore. I don't want to hear what you have to say. And I know as a 19-year-old, the enemy now is trying to pressure him to say, see, this is what's going to happen if you stand up for the truth, so you better shut your mouth. You better not say anything else. You're going to get labeled as a hater, as one of the bad guys. It's going to happen. And listen, side note, I am had it up to here with people saying, Refuge Church doesn't approve of anybody. We're the only church in town with a bookstore with about 300 authors in it and a radio station with about 40 to 50 ministries on it. Saying these people are teaching God's word. Listen to what they have to say. So please start spreading that to individuals that they're just against everybody. I'm against heretics because I'm going to give an account and I am responsible for the souls of the people in this church. Verse 9, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Listen, it's not a call to be a killjoy that never smiles with no sense of humor. We're to rejoice in all things. Listen, laughter is good for the soul. Who doesn't love a good laugh? I love to see people laugh. Listen, I hold a lot of back, a lot back up here because I love jokes. <laughs> I do. Sometimes the most healthy thing to do is just have a, a night of laughing, isn't it? With people who love the Lord and clean humor. And this isn't saying, you know what, be the congregation of depression. That's not what this is saying here. But it's a call to see the passing pleasures of sin for what they are and to understand there's a coming judgment it's a call to have an eternal perspective, to be sober-minded, knowing all this is going to pass away, to understanding what the Scripture says of perilous times before the coming of the Lord, and not being someone that just lives for laughs and pleasures, but understands, listen, there is a generation perishing around us. That should cause me to mourn and have a gloomful, you know, I, I don't think that's a word, but have gloom in my heart knowing if they die, they're going to be separated from God forever. If they die in their sin and their rebellion. And I'll tell you, the enemy works hard to come against the reality of that truth. For us to make light of the call of repentance and Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And even make light of our own sin. Saying it's not a big, big deal. I got grace. And yes, grace is a wonderful thing. But our sin put the Lord on the cross. 
and our sin grieves the Holy Spirit, and our sin makes us spiritually impotent and inept, and our witness weak, and our, you know what, our, our, the pillar of truth, which should be the church, it makes it to be a joke, and it doesn't build up the body of Christ, it tears it down, and it hinders our prayers and so forth. Again, the world celebrates and rejoices in sin. Their glory is their shame, as we read there in Philippians 3, 18 through 20. Their glory is their shame. And we're not called to be entertained and laugh while they perish. We're not called to follow along in silence and just to live for the pleasure the world offers or just to joyfully turn a blind eye. As long as I'm happy, as long as I'm entertained, as long as I'm laughing, meanwhile they're perishing and going to hell because we so desperately want to be friends. And again, we're not talking about not being friendly and kind and considerate. We are called, again, to go the extra mile. And if our action and behavior is the offense, then shame on us. Let's repent of that. But if it's the word of truth, the word of God, the Lord said, rejoice in the day that your name is cast out as evil. For great is your reward in heaven. Notice the closing exhortation here, verse 10. Humble yourself on the side of the Lord and he will lift you up. It's going before the Lord and being truthful and honest. Surrendering. Laying down our agenda or admitting we have an agenda and we need help laying it down. I think that's probably usually where we're at. Because I found I can't lay down agendas on my own and I oftentimes get them in my own heart. But I found when I come to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to lay down this agenda, he is quick to come alongside. I found that to be true in my life. I see it scripturally. A humble and contrite heart he won't reject. And I am by no means saying I'm proud to be humble because I know I got a lot of pride in my life. But I know this, listen, when I was in that sexually perverse, rebellious life, deep in it since the time I was a very small child. And I recognize, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get murdered, I'm going to die of a sexually disease, or I'm going to kill somebody and go to prison because of my lifestyle. And I hate it, but I love it. I fiend for it. It brings a euphoria. And I just started saying, Lord, make me hate it. Make me hate it, because if you don't make me hate it, I'll never walk away from it, because the grip is so deep. I can't stop on my own. I can't even come before you and say, take it, because I so desperately want to keep it, but will you please take it from me? And he began to do an amazing thing in the life of a 22-year-old that had practiced sexual sin for 17 years. In my spirit, I began to hate it. Listen, my flesh wanted it and still wants it. But he began to do something. And I know he'll do that for any that humble their hearts, but we, don't, we can't give people this malarkey and these lies to say, because we want to be loved by you. Come and love us. That ain't going to save anybody. 
It's just not. Don't ever get me wrong. Again, it's the subject of today, this issue of homosexuality. Sin is sin. My sin was different than that sin, but it's of the same nature of sexual perversity. And I know the bondage of it and the deceit of it. And I have a heart to see these individuals saved and set free. But it doesn't come when we hide the truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and it will set you free. And the truth is, these things are sinful. They're opposed to God. And we're in a world that's classified this now as some sort of race or something. And it's sin. It's flat out rebellion, any way you slice it. And I know this, having led many of a person from that lifestyle to the Lord Jesus Christ by his grace, that deep down those individuals know it is. Sin is a dirty lifestyle, man. It is. Let's not forget that. Wasn't a part of the thing that chastised us, that brought us to crying out to God? Again, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and I love it, He'll lift you up. What's the requirement of Him lifting us up? Humble yourself. It's so easy, yet so difficult. I surrender you, Lord. I yield. And he immediately says, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to lift you up even out of this. Lifting you up, it's a picture of, of him, of, of, of his hands being all over you. And you're, you're in his hands. Is there any place better than that to know the Lord is lifting me up? Helping me to rise up above all of this that so wages war against my soul that is so desperately wanting to drag me down, including my own rebellious flesh that I have to crucify every day and at times gets the upper hand. No better place to be than being lifted up by the Lord. Can we say amen to that? Let's stand up and pray. Oh, Lord, we need you today desperately, God. We have a pride issue, an arrogance issue. We have this God complex that needs to be crucified, Lord. Help us. Help me, Lord. Forgive me for my pride, arrogance. Forgive me for where I have misrepresented you. I would hope all of us, Lord, could humbly pray along the same lines. Help us. We indeed are living in perilous times, Lord, and give us a love for you, God, a greater love for you, and a love for our neighbor that needs you, Lord. Pray for the lost in this community. Open their eyes to who you are. And listen, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, can't tell you how much he loves you. Can't begin to even express it. I don't care what you dragged into this place, whatever. Listen, the Lord Jesus stands ready to wash you of your sin. But you got to call it sin. 
To put faith in Jesus as Lord, it means you've got to turn from what your Lord is. And I know my Lord, again, was myself and my sin. Repent of it today. Ask Jesus to be your Lord today. Humble your heart before him today. Confess him as Lord. Believe in your heart God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. There's no partiality with him. Nothing you've done in your life has been a shocker to him. Listen, the walls, you came in and the walls are still up. Listen, if they would have fell down when a sinner came in, it would have fallen down in the building of the place. on him. And Lord, help us. And listen, I can't encourage you enough. Take these things that have been shared and test them by the scriptures. I'm not the authority. God's word is. Let us worship you right now, Lord. Let us lift our voices to you and praise you. Let's give our God the glory he is due.
altar is going to be open up here. There's going to be folks that would love to pray with you. Listen, if you gave your life to the Lord, I can't encourage you enough to come up and get prayed with. You want to put a Bible in your hands, encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.